how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 438, where I sat down with screenwriter, producer, and star Michael Tennant of the new film Pretty Problems. Michael grew up in San Diego with a, quote, disdain for L.A., but after he saw his brother get a laugh acting at a young age, he was hooked. Trying to follow the path of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck for Good Will Hunting, he knew he needed to write his own screenplay. He spent years acting, kind of went in a linear direction for a while, but eventually discovered that every actor really needs to be a hyphenate today, meaning you should be a screenwriter, producer, and star, if possible, or a writer-director, something along those lines. Inspired by those guys from Goodwill Hunting and, of course, the Duplass brothers, he wrote his own script and did everything he could to get it made. In this interview, we talk more about his process, what actually led to South by Southwest, how he later sold it, how he convinced his friends to get on board, and everything in between. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also get my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, for free right now over at brockswinson.com. You know, I grew up in, uh, in San Diego, you know, close to LA, but kind of with a disdain for Los Angeles. You're taught in San Diego that the Dodgers are the devil, that, you know, the LA is, is the worst. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I, um, my brother did a play. My brother's eight years older than I am. He did a play when he was in high school. And I just was like that, that's it. That's what I want. I, you know, I, I heard him get a laugh and it was like just that first hit of dopamine and it wasn't even for me. And I felt like I kind of started chasing that. I was an athlete, you know, I played baseball, I, I played football, I wrestled, I did all the things. And, um, but I just always really liked the idea of performing. Um, my my mother was an artist. Uh, you know, she painted, she sculpted, did woodworking. Um, but also she raised two kids. And so she didn't really get to put a lot of time and energy into that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was kind of a hobby. And uh, I, you know, I, I when I started pursuing this as a profession, um, I just wanted to be an actor. Uh, you know, my but the reason I moved to New York after college was because uh, of like Matt Damon and Ed Norton and all these, you know, like Good Will Hunting was a seminal movie for me where it was like, wait, these two, these two guys just got together and wrote something. And now Gus Van Sant's directing it and Robin Williams is starring in it. And how did these guys do this? And I, I think that was kind of the dream I started chasing and I lost track of that. Uh, you get into the auditioning actor thing and you fall in love with the linear idea of this career, which is, if I get my co-stars and I get my guest stars, if I get my guest stars, I get my series regulars, if I get my series regulars, I'm George Clooney. I'm rich as fuck. I'm doing this. <laughs> Can I curse on here? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the New York's going to come out hard. Um, but uh, yeah, I got stuck in this linear idea of it. And then I fell into producing um, kind of through happenstance. I booked a couple of days on a movie and uh, I was working with a, a very famous actor and uh, they were very in their process and they weren't really talking to me when the camera wasn't rolling to the point where like, I don't think we exchanged any words that weren't written dialogue, like no introduction, nothing. And party is like, you want to be a, a nice guest because when you're on 
set and you're only there for a day or two, you do feel like a guest. And so you want to be polite. But uh, one of the producers on set kind of, I think, felt bad for me, honestly. So like had lunch with me one day uh, on set. We loved a bunch of the same kind of like 90s indies movie, indie movies that my brother, again, who's significantly older than I am, uh, would send me or tell me to watch when he was in college. Uh, which is why I curse so much and why I like needle drops and why I, I like movies that I was way too young to enjoy at the time. Um, and from there, I, I ended up working in development at this company and then working in development. Um, I just saw the sausage get made and it made me really sad. Mm. Uh, I watched movies get made for, in my opinion, the wrong reasons. I watched people just set money on fire and other people's money, never their own money. Um, and I just, I don't know, after a few years, I, I you know, reading thousands of scripts, um, you know, reading probably 20 scripts a week, uh, just thought, you know, I want to give writing a crack. Like, I think, I think I understand storytelling and I, I, I've watched so many things and I've read so many things. Like, let me see if I can do this. And then I was at South by Southwest and 2018 and Mark Duplass has become him and his brother Jay have become heroes of mine the way they do everything the way they I don't I don't love all their movies but I god I love their ethos um you know he gave that speech about how the Calvary isn't coming and I just went holy shit the Calvary isn't coming like I keep asking agents managers casting directors directors writers I keep asking other people to hand me this creative life that I want and no one's doing it why is no one doing it and like back to the Matt Damon thing where you're like, oh, because I have to do it myself because no one's going to hand me the thing I want. I have to actually build this life for myself. I want to do it. So I, I sat down and I started writing the script and uh, I didn't know if it was going to work. And um, it's been a, it's been a really cool journey and it's wild to be, you know, I'm doing press since 8am out here. It's, it's really cool that this is where I'm at right now. So I think back to that example, I think Ed Norton got Primal Fear and Damon Affleck were like, that's the only role. Fuck, like that. fuck that. We're writing a movie. I, I just listened to this podcast. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Right. yeah. So were you think, I mean, were you always thinking about starring in the role or did you ever, did you start to shift it all from like, I want to act and write? Or was it always kind of meant to be both? How did you think about writing and acting together? I think inherently, as an actor, if you do this long enough, you actually become a writer without realizing it. I would not compare myself to, you know, a proper screenwriter. I would not compare myself to somebody that has really studied this craft and spent time in writer's rooms. Um, so much of what I do is I just like writing dialogue and banter. And then it's like, oh, my God, I have to force story on top of this. Um, I still consider myself an actor. And even writing this, I wrote all the male roles for myself with the expectation that, you know, I'd go out and do it most indie. I'm doing this on a movie that I'm writing and directing next year. Um, you know, you try to grab somebody who's on hiatus or somebody who's got a little break in their schedule between Marvel movies. And you're, you're like, Hey, do you want to be the lead of my indie movie about feelings? It's kind of funny. Um, so I wrote all the male roles in this movie for myself with the expectation that I'd play a smaller supporting role. And then, uh, I was out to dinner in 2019 before, you know, this crazy thing happened to all of us. And, um, I was just looking around the table. I was about 10 pages into the script. I had the outline written and I just looked at all these, you know, my chosen at Los Angeles family who are, we're all transplants. We're all people that moved from 
North Carolina, Texas, Alabama, you know, San Diego, San Francisco, whatever. Um, I was like, God, it'd be so cool to go make a movie with these people. And, you know, I woke up the next morning and turned to, you know, my, my ex and said, uh, I think I'm going to go do this with our people. And it's going to be scary because there's going to be no guarantee that anyone's going to watch it. But I know that doing this with these people, we're going to make the best thing we can possibly make because we know these people, we trust these people. As an actor, you fight so hard, like we were saying, like I was saying before, to get, you know, you fight so hard to get two lines on Law and Order, you know, and you, you, your whole belief system becomes about, I'm good because I book cop number two versus like, I'm good because like, I'm a good person and I care about things and I, I love my art and I love my craft. And so, you know, I've said like getting on set uh, as the writer of this movie and then as one of the stars of it uh, sucked. It was really hard. It was really hard. I, I was watching other actors say lines better than what I'd intended mm. and sometimes differently than what I intended, which was actually taking me out of my performance sometimes because I was so fixated on what was happening that I wasn't paying attention to what my job in that moment was, um, which is all a long-winded way of saying. Uh, I just think we're all storytellers at the end of the day, and we don't work in a binary system of, I'm an actor anymore. Like you, you need to be able to wear, as an actor, a writer, a producer, director, whatever, you are wearing multiple hats at all times, and you need to be comfortable being a hyphenate. I was just talking to someone about this. I may not even be explaining it right, but I feel like there's a difference between sending a script out and showing up like, Hey, I'm the writer producer. I'm going to be in this. I've got four or five people like the, the undercurrent of like, I'm going to get, I'm going to see this thing through all the way to the end and get this thing made. Like there's more of a gravitational pull towards that as opposed to like, it feels like a lottery ticket sending a screenplay out sometimes. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think they're, I think they're all lottery tickets. I mean, it's you, if you get an entertainment, it's a lottery ticket career. You, you, and you are the lottery ticket, which is terrifying. Right. Because you're again, back to the self-worth thing, that day where you don't do the 10 things that you think you're going to push your career forward, whether it's work out, whether it's, you know, right, whether it's study a scene, whatever. Um, I think it's the difference between indie film and television to me. Uh, there's so many hurdles to get over for television. It's so hard to break into TV because there's so many people that have to stamp it. Indie film, and I would say this to any filmmaker, like, don't shoot your pilot presentation. Like, I know it's always sunny worked out for those guys. I was, I was literally at a premiere last week with a bunch of those guys, which was one of the coolest moments of my life because those guys are heroes of mine. Um, but there's a reason we talk about it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You know, like that happened one time. Um, I, I do think there's something to be said about just making your own content. Like, make a short, man. Make a short. Send it out to festivals. You know, you can make a short for a thousand dollars and it's not going to look, you know, it's not going to look like avatar, but like, it's going to be like, but it's you and you go to these festivals and you're getting the small festivals, but you meet people that love film and that want to support you. The reason I'm making my next movie is because we did a festival run with pretty problems. It was really successful. Like we got the actual distribution, you know, we're going to be on Hulu on the 13th. Um, but I'm making my next movie because somebody in Maui loved my movie. And because that person wants to help me make more movies and tell more stories, sending out your script just into the ether, you're right. It's just a like, I don't know. The other thing is as a former development executive, 
we're reading about eight pages, nine pages of your script. And if eight, if after eight pages, we're not in, we're out and we're just passing on it. We're moving on because there's so many things coming in. Um, yeah, I just, I, I would encourage any, any creative, any filmmaker, I mean, just self-included, uh, the, the Daredevil thing sounds dope. I want to watch this. Um, make your own stuff, man. And then let, I mean, look, Greta Gerwig's doing this right now with Barbie, right? Like she's working in the studio system. She wants to be one of the biggest directors on the planet. Hell yeah. Good for her. But like nothing happens if she's not doing mumblecore movies, you know, 15 years ago, it's just start creating and then see where the road takes you. Talk about some of the, like, what are the the cons of doing the always sunny route specifically within TV? You're like, what are, what's the negative parts of that? Just for those who are not familiar. Again, I, I mean, I, I haven't done it, but I've watched so many, I've been a part of them as an actor and I've watched so many friends do them. You're spending your own money. Like you're spending your own money and you're hoping that someone's going to buy your, your pilot, which love that it's creative writing podcast. Uh, people lack creativity. People lack creativity when they watch things, you know, if they see something and they have, and they go, Oh, that's all that can be versus like, it's the reason people go to commercial auditions dressed like doctors. So like, I really want to showcase that Like, this is what I would look like as a doctor. Yeah. right um i just think you are i think by the way write a pilot it's I, like I've, I've written a few spec pilots because like it's fun it's it's the you know the 30 to 60 pages long and it helps you find your voice as a writer but it's just the financial risk you're incurring by doing it with the knowledge that and festivals have gotten better about this i mean the, there are there are tv sections now at, at festivals but I just think you're better off telling a close-ended story to people versus leaving people an open-ended thing because it lets people know what you're about versus, you know, I wrote a pilot a couple of years ago about a dog rescue in uh, Los Angeles. It was a very like Parks and Rec, the office style comedy, um, which everyone was writing then because those shows were very popular. And I was chasing the zeitgeist versus being comfortable with like, this is a story I'm passionate about. And that's the other thing I feel like is, Often when my friends are writing these pilot presentations, they're chasing the zeitgeist. They're chasing what's popular right now. And like, you're not going to write Succession. Succession just happened. We all just watched Succession. That show ruled. You're not going to do that. That doesn't mean you're not capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. It just means that we just got it. We just got like the creme de la creme of what that can be. So you shouldn't write a spec episode of that show. What you should do is tell a story that, you know, you rock are incredibly passionate about. Right. versus like i think nbc might like this and money is good i think like i think that's the problem with the right what you know mentality is like it's really more about theme than about plot i think it's like is that kind of how you see that as well i think you should write what you know i think you should like uh, you know this movie is is very much a shared experience for me i could feel my marriage wasn't doing great um i was talking to a lot of my friends about the way their relationships weren't working and how, you know, male and female. Um, I was also looking at my, my work life and was kind of got obsessed with this idea of potential. And so I started, well, I wanted to write something about potential and I wanted to write something about connection. And uh, the problem with, you know, the problem with writing what you know, though, is that you have to get, you have to get a little big with it. And sometimes I think we want to get into our own feels a little too much, especially as creatives. Like I, I think we all, Look, we're all walking around with them. I just, you know, reread uh, Rick Rubin's book because um, I just keep it around the house for when I need a little, need a little dopamine hit. But that idea of like your pain is your gift, 
like the thing that makes you sensitive, the thing that makes it really hard for you to exist in the world is actually your gift. Um, exposing that thing is really hard because we don't want to open our veins up for people. And you have to be very cautious about the way you do open your veins up for people. I'm a really sensitive guy. I go to therapy. I'm, I'm clearly a talker, as you're noticing. Um, that's not attractive to everyone. And I think when we try to sell ourselves to people in that way, I, I guess this is what I'm trying to say is I, I agree with write what you know, uh, as long as you are comfortable changing what you know. As long as you're getting curious about what you know and why you are feeling the way you're feeling. If you're just writing what you know, like that already, like that, that's what plays are. Those exist. We've done those. Like but there's nothing innovative about this. Uh, if you're willing to get in there and get vulnerable and get ugly, I think that's where the magic really is. So without, you know, giving away plot points, some of that stuff, <laughs> what, what was the kernel of this idea? You've said a few things already. And how did you kind of start to... Uh, it's, it's listed as three writer writing credits on this. Uh, tell me uh, how you kind of so I, I was the screenwriter. Um, my ex-wife and uh, Charlotte Ubbin and um, my creative partner, Britt Rentschler, have story by credits along with me. Uh, basically what happened was um, I just nerded out on indie film. I nerded out on what was working for me with indie film, and I kept noticing things that were working which was look everybody loves the big chill everyone has tried to rip off the big chill uh there's a reason they don't work you have you know six of the greatest actors ever in a movie with one of the greatest soundtracks of all time that's very hard to duplicate uh what does work with a lot of the movies i like though were small locations or singular locations meaning everyone was kind of trapped in a place and what's that level of tension i also was thinking a lot about vacation friendships and vacation relationships you know how you go on vacation and all of a sudden you and your partner want to fix everything you were just talking about you know your your, your beach home and like yeah god vacation me is great <laughs> vacation me just he's gonna do it you know he's gonna get the six pack back he's gonna do this he's gonna, you know he's gonna do this because uh vacation me is just there and he's existing versus real life me who wakes up and has to walk my dog and get on the phone and do this and this and this and this and, this and the day is over. Um, so I got to that. And then I also just, I wanted to, you know, also honestly and being totally vulnerable, I was trying to save my marriage. I, I made a, I wrote a comedy about a marriage that wasn't doing so great because I was hoping to tell a story to people that, you know, would, it's just spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Like it's ha ha funny, but also like, ouch, I see myself. You know, we, um, I, I, I love comedy. I'm, I'm worried about the state of comedy. Mm. You know, this, uh, this Jennifer Lawrence movie that just came out a couple weeks ago, like the fact that people made such a big deal out of that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, those movies were in the theaters all the time. I understand part of that is that, you know, you and I both probably have, really nice big screen TVs in our home with like, like sound systems and we can find these things. But um, back to what we were saying before, I, I feel like telling a closed ended story is a nice way to communicate a message to people. And this to me was a way to introduce myself to people. And I didn't think we'd win festivals. I didn't think we'd get, I never thought this movie would be in movie theaters. That was blew my mind when that happened. Um, I always felt like I just want to tell a story that the right hundred people will see. And I don't care if hundred million people see it. Um, I also just want to showcase my really talented friends. You know, uh, th these are people that are so good and deserve to have a light shown on them. And 
They don't get the chances because we picked a brutal industry. What did you um, experience any rejection trying to pitch this because it was a comedic film? Like, and why? Why is that? It seems like it has to be an action comedy today to get made or something like that. It makes me crazy, man. It, I, I worked in development with National with the the group that just owned National Lampoon a few years ago, and uh, my hope was to do indie comedies. And it drove me crazy that every movie needed to have a big explosion or a big set piece or guns. Um, it's just what, you know, part of its form, part of its, you know, part of its money coming in from different markets um, where it's easy to sell. You know, I think about the movie like Game Night, like that movie, I enjoyed that movie. And then they flip a plane in the third act. And I'm like, why did that just happen? I don't understand why that just happened. There was no need for that to happen in this movie. I was so much more into this movie when it was just friends having awkward conversations with each other. Um, yeah, this movie was a really tough, honestly, I like this movie is, is, self-finance like I, I sold a lot of shit and maxed out some credit cards to make this movie um you know partially going back to like do the right thing you know where it's like I, this is if this is how i have to make this movie then this is how i have to make this movie because when i tried to pitch this movie to people no dice like when i showed this script to people nobody cared i mean even our sales agent didn't want to take it on even though he represented me as a producer didn't want to take it on didn't want to watch it because it was a comedy about a bunch of 30 somethings on a vineyard for a weekend and just had no appeal to him whatsoever because in his mind it had no foreign sales opportunities and uh by the time when we finally got it to watch got him to watch it then he and another agent were fighting over who was going to sell it at south by last year you know, and then it wins the audience award South by, and then it goes to the Sonoma Film Festival. And then I'm getting calls from French investors that are asking if I can remake the movie in France. Like, we're living in a really interesting time of not original thought, but like, you know, man, you jump on Twitter, you jump on Instagram, you jump on, you jump on these things to get these little hits of, of connection. And like, there's so much toxicity flying around. And I just, I love that this movie... I've shown this movie all over the country. I have I've watched audiences in Alabama laugh at jokes that audiences in San Francisco didn't find funny, you know? But the fact that, like, we're all not that far apart, and again, back to this thing, connection. Man, it's fun to laugh at strangers. It is. It's just fun to laugh with each other. It's fun to see, the, like, we're all not that far apart. We get so, we listen to the loudest voices in the room often, and we get so polarized on things, and you know, it's, it's been really cool to just have something that's connecting people and like, but sorry, this is again, just, I, yeah, rejection sucks, but it's also part of the industry. It's what you're signing up for. Like people aren't going to like your shit. Art is subjective. Like I, hot take. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Godfather. Like, you know, I understand that it's a great movie. I think I watched too many other mob movies before I watched the Godfather. And so then I was like, I've seen this already. I was talking to this kid the other day that thinks Pulp Fiction is shit. And I was like, that's insane. And then I'm like, oh, right. But you've watched people that are, have done yeah. derivative versions of it. So that when you see the original, it doesn't feel innovative to you. Yeah. You know? I saw all the Scorsese before I saw The Godfather too. And I felt similar. It was weird. Because you're like, this is the best, right? But yeah, but, I already seen yeah. Goodfellas, you know. What do you have? I mean, you kind of already answered this, but like... You saw some success from the film. You won some of the festivals. 
people think you're crazy until you're a genius, right? I mean, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you kind of like, you just, is it just like one step at a time? What are some of your thoughts on that? I mean, imposter syndrome is real. Uh, like you, it's, you know, we, we got into South by, and I felt like we got into South by because I'd done my homework and I I'd, I'd watched what kind of, and South by was the festival I wanted to get into, but like I'd done my homework and I knew what kind of movies were turn that festival on. And so we got in and I was like, well, I studied. And then it's like, you win the audience. We're like, well, well, that only happened because we marketed the shit out of the movie at the festival. We were maniacs at the festival. We literally put like pink heels all over Austin with QR codes for the movie, you know, and people were just like, we, we would pay Uber drivers 10 bucks to put them in their car kind of thing. Um, you know, you win the audience. We're like, oh, we manipulated that. And then you, it keeps going. And you're like, wait, do we actually make something good? Like, is this good? Do people actually like this? And, you know, I still have notes for days on it. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I, I, I certainly wouldn't call myself a genius by any means. Um, I think I'm somebody who just works really hard. And I think I'm somebody who gets really fixated on things. And look, I also made this movie selfishly because I was hoping to create more act, like actor opportunities for myself. Um, and those didn't materialize. What did materialize was what I said earlier, people that love movies and want to help me make more movies, which is really cool. It's a lot more work and I'm terrified of having to do it again. I mean, I was, you know, I'm, I'm writing this script right now that um, I still don't think of myself as a writer. And it's weird to be having conversations about writing because mm. I still fancy myself an actor. Um, but I, I know that that's also what gets in my way is me telling myself no. When in theory, like the world is telling me, yeah, you should pursue this a little bit harder. Um, but I think, you know, therapy answer is just you're where you're at and your relationship to you is what matters. It doesn't matter what, if you're listening to critics, if you're listening to what other people are saying about you, you're not speaking for yourself at the end of the day. You give a lot of great advice already. Thinking back of like, from the perspective of being an actor, going through everything you just went through with this film, reading thousands of scripts. What are some common problems you see in screen, like screenwriting? Where can, where should screenwriters be thinking about how to improve their scripts today? So back to the great question you asked me before. Um, it's the right way you know thing. Everybody is reading the same books about screenwriting. Everyone is reading the same books. If you want to be a writer, read scripts, watch movies. Don't, no shots at Save the Cat, no shots at any of these books, but just like they teach you formula and they teach you They teach you the idea of structure and structure is so important. I was joking about this with you before. I will write dialogue all day. I get to structure and I'll pull what hair I have left out. Um, but you are the only person that can tell your story, right? I think you need to be realistic about it in that if you want to go make an indie movie, don't, don't write robots fighting dinosaurs because that's going to be expensive. Um, unless you get the money, then go do that. But um Trust yourself. I mean, the only person, end of the day, man, the only person that's there for you is going to be you. And the only person who won't there be there for you is you. Like, you have to hold yourself accountable. You have to show up for yourself. I, I, I've had a lot of conversations with myself about why did it take me this long to get to this place? I'm having this teeny, teeny, teeny modicum of success right now. And like, I, I did well as a producer and, you know, I've worked a little bit as an actor. 
But it's like the reason this is happening right now is because it needed to take this long. And like, you need to be patient with yourself. You need to be patient with your process. Um, I, you know, I have to remind myself of this on a daily basis that just like, it's like, you know, it's like sobriety. It's like, this is where I'm at today. Like, this is how I'm feeling today. And like, it's been this many days that I've been working on this thing. Um, you know, I also wake up every day feeling incredibly grateful that I get to live a creative life because I look at so many people that don't. And I, you know, it's so cool that you get to be the mechanism through which other people are able to tap into emotions, whether that be joy or fear or sadness or whatever it is. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.